five lessons that really don't go together at all. It's not like stacking points that come to this one point, the oohs and ahs. No, these are just five lessons that um, the Lord is developing in me and in our church. First one is this. So as, as we talk, it absolutely applies to a church, but these apply to your life, okay? So it's not like, this is not a church growth strategy by any means. This is a, a Christian, a person following Jesus, just some things to consider. The first lesson um, that I've learned, that we've learned, is that internal growth eventually produces external growth. In life, we want, we want the fruit, you know what I mean? Like, like when you plant a tree, a fruit tree, uh, the reason you're planting the fruit tree is because you want it to produce fruit. I've got some friends that have this lemon tree that just has an abundance of lemons. Like it's just all the time, just lemons, 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 lemons. It's like, wow. Well, in all honesty, um, you plant those types of trees so that they produce fruit. And in life, we are desiring results. We want to see progression. We want to see growth. We want to see um, those types of things. And what I'm learning is oftentimes in pursuit and good effort and even uh, good motives, we focus more on external growth than internal health. As an individual, it's the same thing. So how that looks is we become excited about the bigness, about the additional. So like in a church setting, uh, what it could look like is as a pastor, you are just ultra excited about adding environments, services, uh, adding more, 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 like produce healthy fruit. The reason I don't like this is because the church is, is about people, people. So if we become so focused on external growth and getting bigger, 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 then people simply become pawns or collateral damage. And I don't believe that to be Christ-like. As an individual, can I challenge you to do the hard, tedious work of internal uh, soil work? <laughs> the daily disciplines, the... The, the work that nobody sees so that eventually the results that everybody wants is just a byproduct of healthy soil. What that means is if you are an individual that lives a life of devotion, a life of following Jesus or surrendering more to him on, on the daily, not just on like Sunday mornings, uh, it's, this is crazy to say it's easy to be a Christian at it was really easy for me to be a Christian at 1120 today. We were just singing. We were getting it like it's 1132, just so you guys know. Like, like it was really easy. But I'm talking about doing the work behind the scenes of word, of worship, of building community, of the becoming more like Jesus behind the scenes and then eventually the results that you're desiring. Some of us desire so desperately to be people that are following the spirit of God. You've heard like the term spirit-led. Like what does that mean? Well, spirit-led means responding to the quiet, still voice on small moments. As a church, we grew really fast when we opened and we got to a spot as a church that 
I mean, many of you were part of it. We were, we were doing three services on Sunday mornings. Like, you guys remember that? That's fun. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> uh, we're going to do it again on Easter. <laughs> but, but if we don't add environments, services, groups in a healthy way, what's going to happen is you will swell, and swelling looks like growth for a season, but in the long run, it's not healthy. Nobody wants to swell when it comes to growth. So as a church and as an individual, I'm learning that we need to be committed to doing the work of building spiritual muscle as individuals so that we can yield longer term and healthier growth year to date. So January 22 to January 23, Northwood Church has seen 47% increase on a weekend attendance. Now, I'm going to let you in on a behind-the-scenes conversation. We've been praying for a while, saying, God, don't bring the people if we can't do it healthily. And I know that might sound strange, but we have to trust that God's saying, okay, you guys, you as a church, you're pursuing health, and you're addressing the, the soil-type stuff now Let's build the church. If we think that we're the ones in control of building or yielding a marketing strategy, according to the Bible, um, it's God that draws those who are far from him. It's the Holy Spirit's work to draw those who are far from him. We want to reach people as a church. We want to externally grow with people who are far from God. Like we're not just trying to become a cool marketing strategy that brings transfer growth and praise God for it, but we want to reach the 72% of people that are still unchurched in Long Beach, Mississippi. Internal growth eventually produces external growth. The second one is this, adversity. This is a, a, a lesson I'm learning. Adversity solidifies or divides. Nobody likes the word adversity. How many of you guys just love adversity? Sometimes uh, I was looking in the dictionary and it says uh, a cinnamon, synonym. I always say cinnamon instead of synonym. But uh, synonyms can be crisis. So oftentimes we don't find ourselves praying for crisis or adversity, but we know that adversity and or crisis are just parts of life. And when that comes to us, what happens is it's a moment to either strengthen or it's a moment to separate, to divide. I do not know of a healthier environment to be in than the body of Christ that builds us for moments of adversity. If we know that we can't avoid adversity, then we need to position and prepare ourselves for it. When it so we prepare for it, but then also we become aware that when it takes place, it's a moment for, so if it's, if it's me and Ponch right here, if we are coming into adversity as brothers in Christ, then I have to prepare, know that something is, is happening, or it can be a relational situation, it can be a lot of different things, but there is this, Adversity moment that's present. And as a follower of Christ, I have to make a decision how I'm going to respond to that on my side. And then on the other side, you have to make a decision how you're going to respond to that. One person can respond the right way while the other person responds a different way and it doesn't resolve itself. Division still takes place. This is what's beautiful about community and about relationship. Um, the process of forging 
close to one another comes through high heat. <laughs> we have built ourselves on such shallow relationships that they cannot sustain high heat that comes through adversity. So the vast majority of time, we just divide. When actually crisis, adversity is an opportunity where we can grow deeper in community, deeper in relationships. So what I'm gonna challenge you guys to is to not run when crisis is present. Depending on your personality type, um, when, when adversity is here, um, some of our personalities is run. <laughs> Self-preservation, get away, run from it. But the truth is when we lean into one another, the power of community is there. That's why Proverbs says that a friend loves at all times. It says a brother is born for adversity. Who can you walk through tough situations with? Tough situations will take place. And I guess what I'm challenging you, or the lesson I'm learning, we'll just go that route, is there have been so many difficult moments that have come up in the last nine years. And some of those moments, some of my deepest friendships were birthed. But it came through pain. It came through walking through difficult together. It came through correcting one another. Oh, I've had people close to me correct me. Like call me up and say, hey, I just want to let you know you missed it. And I tried to like, any of you guys, like when somebody calls you out and like corrects you, your first instinct is to justify? That's me. That's me. And uh, it's like, ah, well, no, no, no. What happened was what happened. And this is literally what he said to the pastor. <laughs> no, he said, that, you're lying. I learned a couple things that day. I learned I have a brother that's not intimidated or impressed by me. But I also learned that day I don't like to be corrected. <laughs> and what's happened since that moment, seven, eight years ago, the Lord's been softening a whole other side of my heart that enjoys correction, that embraces correction and training. Who can correct you? If everyone that attempts to correct you, you divide from the problem is more than likely you. There was a moment of crisis or adversity when people who were close to Jesus ran, his disciples. His disciples ran when the cross, when the crucifixion was about to take place. Things were getting tough. And his disciples ran for a season. I'm gonna encourage you if you've been the runner to run back. I'm gonna encourage you if people have run from relationship with you and it's healthy to allow them back, then bad relationships that are toxic, that's not what I'm saying right here. But what I am saying is if we've let minor nuances and possibly if we've allowed moments that God was trying to use as sanctification tools in our life, but because we don't like to be corrected or we don't like difficult moments, we ran, maybe run back. We see the disciples, once the crucifixion is taking place and just things come into line, we see the disciples reappear back with Jesus close to him. But let's remember, or a lesson that I'm learning, adversity either solidifies or divides. The third lesson that I'm learning, and I feel like this is one I've learned, don't fall in love with the future so much that you miss the present. 
it's easy to apply this to life. Um, and I'm learning that I'm not old by any means, but I'm not as young as I was. <laughs> I'm 38 years old, and my life is... I'm not the youngest person when I go into rooms anymore, and that's a weird feeling. <laughs> you guys remember when that happened? You guys remember when that happened to you, and all of a sudden you show up in rooms, and it's, they're like calling you sir, and it's like... Hey, you know, I'm one of you. And you're like, oh, no, no. You're like, I still feel good if I get ID'd. Like those types of things, you know, like going to a movie theater or something. But no. There's this temptation to look to the future so much that you miss the now. I remember being a really young parent and feeding my kids. Like, so I'm the dad uh, when I feed with a spoon, I don't know what it is about me, but I, I, when I'm pulling the spoon up to the kid's mouth, I open my mouth too. Is that you too? Perfect. Perfect. Like, like, it's like, I can't help it. I try not to. And it's like, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But I remember moments where I'm feeding them with this rubber tipped spoon thinking I can't wait till they can put this thing in their own mouth. And like daydreaming in the moment. And then they fed themselves. And now I try to feed them and they're like, what are you doing, dad? <laughs> but I remember the moments thinking, I, I can't wait till they can start walking. You guys remember that? I don't have to carry them everywhere. And then they walk. And it's like, well, I kind of, then you can't hold them as much anymore. Like, it's easy for us to understand that in the physical, and then it gets all the way to, I can't wait till, you know, my, my kid drives. So I don't have to take them to the restaurant with their friends. I can, I can honestly tell you, I'm not saying I can't wait till they move out. <laughs> but I know, I know what that's going to be. But I think that applies in every area of life, not just parenting. I'm learning that in church is that sometimes we can get so excited. I was talking to a friend in between services and he, we were talking about our last baptism service. Some of you guys got baptized, you know, a few weeks ago and we baptized three people on a Sunday morning. And like, I was so excited. Like I, I was for real excited about three people that have surrendered their life to Jesus and they're getting baptized but I can remember the moments that I thought if this room wasn't like full of people that I had to check my heart sometimes because I was looking to the future of packed rooms that I'd missed the moments that were just sweet 10 person gatherings. When it comes to like groups and stuff, one of the temptations for you group leaders, there's some of you in here, is that after about week three or four, of leading a group, you'll be looking forward to the end of the semester. And can I challenge you? And as a small group participant, which by the way, I think every one of us should jump into groups. I think that's where actual community takes place. Like there's groups for every single person in this room too. Like if you're not part of a group, I genuinely believe that you're, you're purposely rejecting Christian community. And that's, you're like, oh, those are strong words. They're, they're true words. 
We're prioritizing our time and, and investing our time other places. I see high, high value in investing in relationships. But as you start to go to this group, the first week, if you're brand new to groups, is going to be a little awkward because it's getting to know people. And that's, well, for some of you that you really like that, for I think it's 70% of people, you don't really like that. And then after about two, three, and four, you're like, this is sweet. And then it's going to happen about week five or six where this idea in your mind enters and it's like, I can't wait till we don't have groups anymore. We get a little break. That it's not, and you find yourself not enjoying the group that you're in because you're hoping that it's not taking place in the future. It applies in every area of life. I think it's a trap of the enemy to get us so focused on the future about, about the empire that we're building as individuals that we miss the kingdom that we're supposed to be a part of, the kingdom of God. Happens in church. It happens in individuals. James 4 says this, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. He's almost saying, why are you guys so infatuated with tomorrow? He says, what's your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Let's embrace the moments. Let's embrace the moments of worship that we have together, not waiting to get to the end. And hey, I feel the same temptation as you guys right now. Like some of you, if I gave you the mic right now and asked you what you're thinking about, you're thinking about the meal afterwards. And I'm with you too. I'm with you too. So, uh, let's be the type of people that enjoy the moment that we're in, that embrace the present. If this moment is good enough for God to be in, I think it's good of enough for us to be present in as well. Fourth lesson. This one became much more known to me even this week. I wrote this a few weeks ago. I knew that this was going to be a topic. But ministry is tough. Like, it's tough. But it is worth it. This week was just one of those weeks that was tough. And then the argument is, well, that's why you get paid to do this, Micah. And so I'll, I'll go there with you. Um, so you're compensated to be a minister. Ephesians 4 says this about the minister, me, as well as some others. It says... This is talking about Jesus, that he gave the apostles. These are gifts that, that was given by God to the church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And those five were given to the church, and their job, their responsibility is to equip. To equip the saints. Who's the saints? They don't just reside in New Orleans. Actually, the saints are... Christians. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus categorically and even in this scripture, you are a saint that's supposed to be equipped by those five just mentioned. So my job is to equip Christians for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So the work of ministry is to build the body of Christ. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you in the past, I think we've maybe lean too heavily in certain categories when we talk about the work of ministry. 
and we've reduced the work of ministry to serving on a team. Yes, that's part of it. Praise God for it. Like seriously, thank you. You're, you're wearing a shirt. You just did. Thank you. But your work of ministry is much larger than that. Your work of ministry is to be Jesus to your community. Your work of ministry is your home. Your work of ministry are those people in your group. Your work of ministry is those people that when you're traveling with your, with your kids, so one of my kids plays like travel volleyball right now. Well, part of our work of ministry is the other families that are in that. Like the people around you are potential works of ministry that God is calling you to. So my job is to equip you for that. How do I be equipped? Absolutely, it's by modeling it. How do I do it? It's by transferring the heart of ministry to you. How do I equip? It's through things like foundations that we're gonna start next week through the end of May. It's a series about that. How do I equip? It's by putting the tools in your hands so you can do the work of ministry. But ministry is tough. But it is worth it. This week, ministry for me was a lot of meetings, no doubt about it. But we got a call. We got a call this week, uh, actually right before church last Sunday, that a family that was connected to our church, um, one of the f immediate family members took their life. So ministry. What's that look like? Well, it means ministering to those that are still here. It means by providing some things for them. It means by praying for them. Ministry for me that week was to help those that are also close to them know what to say, how to say, what to do, what not to do. You know, those types of things. Ministry this week was pouring your life out. Ministry a little bit later was on my way to work Thursday. I was getting onto the interstate and I got a call from a local school district. I said, Minister Butterfield. And right then I knew they didn't know me because I don't like that. That ain't the type of language we use. It did make me feel fancy though. They said, hey, I don't know why. Well, we're calling you because one of our staff members gave me your number. And he said, uh, one of our students passed away last night. They said, can you come to the cafeteria and just, he said, we've got a bunch of athletes and family members in this room, teachers that don't really know what to do. I said, yeah, yeah. I did tell him a couple things. I said, what do you, what do you, what do you want me to do? Like, I, I, I'm still, hey, I, I don't know what you're actually wanting right now. They said, we don't really know either. <laughs> Good. I said, also, hey, I gotta let you know, like, I'm not dressed like a pastor. <laughs> I don't know what you're expecting. And I walked into this room and to be very honest with you, I felt, and I walked in not feeling like a savior. Don't, I always feel like I gotta say just the right thing, but I walked in and, and I just saw a whole bunch of hurting people that were like hopeless. 
And I said, this is the work of ministry. What a privilege. What a privilege to be trusted with this moment. Now, the truth is that one was probably for me. That probably wouldn't have been cool for me to say, hey, I'm supposed to equip you, go do it. But there's a lot of moments that each of you have had, will have, or going through that the work of ministry um, is available for you. It will be tough. It'll be tough for different ways. Ministry is always going to cost you something. Truthfully, this is what you don't want to hear. The easiest thing to pay is money. But ministry usually costs you. It stretches you. So I'm asking you to minister. Whether that means uh, after hours on a group, you're launching your group, and like your group is done and that one person hangs longer, give them the extra 30 minutes. I don't know what is going to happen this coming semester. I don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. But like when ministry is available, even though it might be tough, go for it. If you don't feel equipped, shoot a text to someone that you think does, can help you, but love people well. Um, Jesus poured his life out. Literally, but also on the daily. Go look at what his days looked like. By the way, he was the payment. He didn't get paid to do it. Ministry is tough, but it's worth it. And the last point is a moment with God can change everything. One moment. One moment. We create environments that help people know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we create these environments Holy Spirit, I think God's speaking to some of you even in this message. It's that moment. It might happen in worship. It might happen on your drive home. (laughs) But I recall all throughout the Bible, people that had moments with God and it changed everything about their life. And I think if you're anything like me, sometimes I find myself, well, yeah, that happened to, (laughs) that happened to the woman at the well, sure. That happened to Nicodemus, sure. That happened to Zacchaeus, sure. That happened to the woman with the issue of blood, sure. That's all back then, but now I look across this room and in a lot of ways, I remember the moments. And the moments weren't just God spoke, the moments where you were responding. And the moment was when God said, give 20 bucks to the homeless person. 20 bucks, that's nothing unless you see the results of 20 bucks. 20 bucks, we don't know what the homeless person did, but I know that for him, his life, it turned his ear to God. It changed the direction of his life. Now part of his job is to give away money through the local church. He oversees missions, but I don't know what would have happened if you didn't have one moment with God that changed everything. God speaks and you respond. But I remember other moments that aren't so kind, that moments happen that are tough in your life, but you respond. God's with you in the midst. The church comes together with you and you walk through adversity. 
And what happens, God sustains your family. God calls your daughter. She's in Bible college and she'll be serving in the local church in just a few months. What happened when God has a moment? God changes everything. And I don't know if that moment's happened to you. I remember when I was a teenager, God spoke to me. And I remember just saying, okay, I'm in. And it changed everything. God changes moments when you surrender to him through salvation. Everything changes. Everything changes. When we respond to the mission and the message of Jesus, when we realize that the cross isn't just a story that took place, but we realize that the cross was an invitation for us to inherit eternal life and to be known as sons and daughters of God. I don't know if you've had a moment, but I do know this. A moment with God can change everything. I remember the moment at the fall retreat. I remember the moment for both of you at the fall retreat. You were on the run, but God met you there. I remember the moment where God changed everything. That's the beautiful thing, the spot that I get. Some of you are in the middle of moments right now. Respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit and trust that whatever the situation, whether it works out the way that you wanted it to or not, when you respond to his leading, Father, will you take these lessons, these words that were said, and God, would you breathe life on them now? God, I pray that we would be a church that focuses on individual growth and God trusts you with the results. God, I believe that you'll bring the harvest. That's what your word says, that you're the one who brings harvest. God, I pray that we'd be the type of people that don't look so far to the future that we miss the moments that you've given us now. God, I pray that we would be the type of people that, God, that minister well, even when it's tough. God, that we would be saints that are being equipped and have been equipped and that we are doing the work of ministry. And God, I pray that we'd be people that are sensitive enough to realize that when you're with us, God, that the moment that you're with us in, everything can change. So God, we open up our hearts and our lives to you. And God, we just surrender fresh and new right now. For some of you, that means literally surrendering your life. It's like getting saved, surrendering. You can do that right now. You don't, you don't need me to lead you there. You know what your next steps are. Some of you need to like internally right now, just say, this is the season that I'm, I'm taking my next steps in community, in groups. Like, like it's just clear. I don't know what adversity is ahead of me. I don't know what fun is ahead of me, but I know that God is speaking to me to invest my time into relationships and I'm signing up for groups. Like, I don't know what you some of you need to surrender and say, I'm willing to minister. I'm willing to, I'm willing to serve, sure, but I'm willing to serve. Whatever serve looks like, God, I'm willing to minister, even if it's tough. Because the mission is real and you've put us on it. God, I thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.